invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 18 or 19, starting with verse 33. Or you can follow along on the screen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, lead us as we hear your word. As it recounts to us, tells us the story again of of events that, that happened in the life of Jesus as they unfold and prepare us for for this celebration, this recounting and remembering of this this week that we call holy. Help us in this moment to hear from you, to set aside the distractions, to encounter through your Spirit true wisdom. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Luke 19, starting with verse 33, it's found on page 854 of your pew Bible. Hear the word of the Lord. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They said, The Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus. And after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. As he came near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Indeed, the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up ramparts around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. They will crush you to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave within you one stone upon another. Because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. Then he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling things there. And he said, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching in the temple. The chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people kept looking for a way to kill him. But they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were spellbound by what they heard. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. See the two kingdoms being represented there by Jesus and the other kingdom by the religious leaders of the day. 
Two kingdoms, the kingdom of fools and the kingdom of a hero. We see the even during the middle of this parade, the religious leaders want to execute Jesus. They want to silence him. And the crowd who is there crying Hosanna, spellbound by his every word, will eventually disperse and within five days will be calling for his execution. Two kingdoms. Jesus as king and the rest as fools. You see this split, the first sign of the, this split of the two kingdoms, this differentiation in verse 39. For it's there during the parade that we've just celebrated. <clears throat> it's there that one of the religious leaders, one of the Pharisees, turns to Jesus, tells him, order your disciples to stop. Because he recognized what they were doing. He, he recognized, the, the, the Pharisee recognized that the crowd was calling Jesus God in the flesh. They were ascribing praise and honor to Jesus as he rode in on the donkey and calling him the one who is the creator, giving him praise only due to God the creator of the universe. In a sense, the, the Pharisee is telling Jesus, hey, they're going too far with you. They're, they're going overboard in praising you. To which Jesus responded, if they're silent, then even the stones will cry out. He, he is affirming that He is indeed God in the flesh. God incarnate. For all of creation will praise Him. And He affirms that to the Pharisees then and to the religious leaders of the day. And there the split occurs. And there the question becomes, who's the fool and who's the hero? I wonder, as we consider the, the Pharisees' complaint to Jesus, where he says, you know, Jesus, we need to take you in, in appropriate moderation. You know, the crowd has gone too far in following you and, and what they say about you. And I wonder for us if we fall into the trap of the Pharisee at times. That, that we follow Jesus with moderation. He's a good guy. He's a good teacher. Helpful every once in a while. Nice to throw a party for him periodically. But is he the Lord? The boss? The king? Our one and only hero the true champion of our lives. And are you willing to be a fool for Jesus? Or are we more like the religious leaders of the day? Everything in moderation. I don't want to be a leader. My name is Samaya. Hi, Samaya. Tell you what. 
Hey, Samaya. for almost a year. Samaya, can and you? And I'm a good well, It's good and to I see you. Thanks, Joe. You never know what's going to happen at a parade. (laughs) We don't want too much of Jesus who might lead us to Samaya's. Who might direct us in ways that cause us to look foolish to the world. That's what this week is about. From the eyes of the world, Jesus looks like a fool through Good Friday. The message of Jesus is foolishness to the world. I mean, even the message that the Pharisees are complaining about. I mean, what Jesus is saying is, I am God in the flesh. Anybody says that today, we usually want to take them to a hospital. But Jesus is quoted in the Gospel of John as saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And he meant it, what he said. Those words are foolishness in the ears of our world. Those are arrogant, exclusive, foolish. The question is, are they true? And we are at this parade. We are with the palms. We are singing with the children because we are saying those words are true. Yes, He makes exclusive claims to be God in the flesh. He makes exclusive claims to be the way, capital T, capital W, unto God. But He makes an inclusive invitation. Whosoever comes unto me. Whosoever comes unto me, I will give them life. From the eyes of the world, those are foolish claims. I mean, following Jesus can lead us to a foolish way of life. To forgive everyone that asks you. To love our enemies. To bless those who curse us. To love those who persecute us. To humble ourselves. To submit ourselves as unto Christ. To be honest even at our own peril and harm. To reach out to those that are dirty, broken, hungry, homeless, in need. To put ourselves even in harm's way 
for the common good of our world. To give. To give sacrificially. To give generously. To give cheerfully. Those words. Foolish. The religious leaders of Jesus' day were not willing to be a fool for Jesus. And really, neither was the crowd as we progress through the week. As, as we make the turn from Palm Sunday, as, as the parade ends, as the, all that's left is a, a few pieces of uh, palm branch, a little bit of trash, and, and some dirt from the hooves of a donkey. As we move to the week, the crowd disperses, and they too aren't willing to be a fool for Jesus In just five days, the crowd turns on Jesus. And the Sunday celebration of Hosanna's by Friday turns into angry cries of crucify him. We'll take Barabbas. The crowd must begin to wonder by Friday. Does Jesus really lead us to the ways of life and love? Or is he again just another pretender who disappoints us? And the crowd eventually shows they too are foolish and fickle. Not really committed to Jesus as king. No, they're for the most part just hitching their wagon to the horse they think will take them the farthest. And when that horse gives out, let's hitch it to another. I'm afraid for the crowd, Palm Sunday was more like opening day parade that's coming. You know, because opening day parade, all is good. There are no losses. There, There haven't been any wild pitches. No watched third strikes go by. No errors in the playing field. Everybody's a fan at opening day parade. But as we look to the week ahead, that parade looks like an erroneous prediction of winning the pennant when really the team can't win a game. Looks like an empty sham of momentary elation that had no roots in truth, a foolish endeavor. The crowd could not follow Jesus because of the foolishness in their eyes of the cross. By the end of this week, we see in both the religious leaders and the crowd, they simply wanted, if I can remake an old poem, five dollars worth of God. I would like to buy five dollars worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul 
or disturb my sleep. But just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of God to make me love a gay man or pick beets with a migrant. I don't want enough of God to impact my sex life or be honest when I'm wrong. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the celebration of a parade, not the sacrifice of a cross. I want warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy $5 worth of God, please. I invite you at this time to reflect on the foolishness of the crucified hero. Consider during this time the religious fools who wanted Jesus in moderation. And the foolish crowd who could not follow Jesus as he faced the cross. As we celebrate Palm Sunday, we must consider the whole story. We must celebrate Palm Sunday in the shadow of the cross. In your... uh, Pew Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting with verse 18. Invite you to follow along there or on the screen. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. And God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not to reduce to nothing, things that are, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, 
who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And friends, this is the good news. As we enter into Holy Week, this is the good news that you are no fool if you believe and trust in Jesus the Christ as our Lord and Savior of the world. We are no fool to understand that that we are not good, that we are broken, that we indeed in our human condition are fools save the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul makes it clear in this tale of two kingdoms that the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. And the wisdom of God is foolishness to those who are blinded by the ways of the world. As Jesus approaches the cross which is God's wisdom, everybody else bails. But Jesus, He, He alone is sure and true. He is not fickle. The parade that He marshals goes throughout the week. It is indeed the parade of champions, the parade of a hero, the parade of the king. But he is unlike any other hero. He is unlike any other king. For he willingly suffers and dies that we might celebrate, that we might join in the parade. He takes the place of a fool on a cross between two thieves so that we don't have to. He is our servant king, our foolish hero. And it's that faithful, true, and sure act that we celebrate at this table. As we gather, in a sense, at the cross. That we receive from Him His body and His blood on our behalf. It's not just a a, a ritual to remind us of that day, but one in which we believe His very Spirit nourishes us, matures us, deepens our faith so that indeed we might be able, better able, to heed His call when He says that anyone who wants to follow Me must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow Him. 